Holy friends in Christ Jesus, today's scripture comes to us today from the Gospel of Matthew. This is chapter 13, verses 1 to 9, continued on to 18 to 23. This is the parable of the sower in the New Revised Standard Version. On that same day, Jesus went out from his house to be beside the sea. Such great crowds gathered around him, and he got into a boat and sat there, while the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly, but since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. That everyone with ears listen. On to verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. Anyone who hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in his heart. This is what was sown on the path. As for what is sown on rocky ground, this is one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet such a person has no root, but endures only for a while. For when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, that person immediately falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word and who cares for the world, with the lures of wealth choke the word, and it yields nothing. But as for them that are sown in good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, another sixty, and another thirty. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Holy friends in Christ Jesus, it wasn't until I was looking at my notes for this week and I had selected my text and I was ready to go that I realized that this is kind of a deja vu moment for me because when I first began here on the Green Charge at Mount Vernon, I did this exact scripture a little over three years ago. So it's good to look at the notes that I wrote past then and realize that I'm going a completely different direction. So don't think that because I said that you could just tune me out because you've heard me say this before. So. I'm really excited to go into this summer because this is just what Jesus was doing, wasn't it? We're out here, outdoors, listening to God's word with one another, just like the parables are. We're gathered in God's nature and God's creation. So for the next few weeks, we're going to go through some parables and talk about them and what it means for us. Now, as I said prior, don't just tune me out because what I'm going to say is different than what I've said in the past because I've had this process of thinking and discussing and reading some commentaries that has really changed my perspective on this as well. So as we go through this parable, we know that Jesus said parables or stories, right? He did this as a way to explain big concepts in a way that the people of the time, that's a bug, might understand. Because, you know, sometimes things get confusing. And I think even in our world today, being disconnected by an ocean in 2,000 years, We can sometimes lose the point of these stories, so it's important to look at them, continue searching for them, and finding what it means for us today. So Jesus, there's so many people around Jesus there, as it says in verse 2. Great crowds heard about this Messiah, this Jesus that was coming out of this house that he'd been staying in. Imagine first century paparazzi, right? They're showing up at the sheer name of Jesus, seeing him, and they gather around him in such a big crowd that he has to get into a boat just to be able to get off the shore and have everybody gathered around and listening to him. Now, that group of people is going to be important for the story that Jesus is telling. 
because he's not directing this at the Pharisees, as he was last week with some of his stories or the week before with some of his stories. He's directing this at all of the people who are listening to him, who come from all different walks of life. They may be part of the Jewish faith. They may be part of the Roman state religion. They may not have one. They may still have a local tribal god. But all of these people are gathered together to hear this name. And Jesus tells them the story about a parable of a man who sows seed everywhere. And it lands on four various places. And these places, it depends on where it lands and what happens. For example, the first batch lands on some rocks, or it lands on the road, I'm sorry. And as it's getting walked, it gets trampled upon, and then birds come and swipe it up. The last one is that they're thrown into fertile soil, and everything is fantastic. It grows well, and it expands and blooms outward. So there's two ways of taking this story, and I'll begin with the one that made sense to me before I was thinking and praying some more. And it, it, that's the cool thing about our scripture, is sometimes it can have more than one meaning. So the traditional meaning of this text would come to us that God is the sower, right? God is this guy, and he's walking down the path, and he's just throwing seed everywhere, seeing what's going to happen. Some would call that absolutely reckless, because that's a lot of investment you're going to be wasting if you're just chucking seed all over the place. But God does, and he shares his love and grace and mercy with us when we don't deserve it. And that's where the four soils come in, right? Because the soils represent us in a way. In the different ways that we hear God's word and different ways that we interact with God's word. For example, when we come to the soil on the road, maybe there's some tried and true verse that we all know off the top of our heads like John 3:16 or Jeremiah 29:11, right? Where we come forth and we see it plastered on well, not billboards in particular, but sometimes on people's walls, we see it on coffee mugs, we see it um, even at cookout. We have John 3:16 on every single one of those cups. And as we continue to go through that process, the scriptures become so commonplace and normal that they seem to lose their value to a lot of the world. So just like the road, it's just snatched up before anything good could happen. Or perhaps we think about the next one, which would be the ones with, with the rocky soil, right? They dig in really quick because they hear this great message, but the message gets changed as the sun rises, as persecution, as they're put to the flame, as it were, right? where they're like, yes, God, it saved me. Everything's going to be fantastic. Now I'm just waiting for that $500,000 check in the mail. And then nothing happens. So they throw away their faith because perhaps they're in a moment of instant gratification, right? We want God to work for us now. We want God, just as the song that we listened to earlier, just to be our deliverer, just to pick us up from whatever is happening and put us somewhere new and just let all of our problems go away. The third one, is the one that is the most scary to me, which is the one of the thorns, right? Where soil or seeds are thrown into the soil and thorns grow with them and choke the plant and cause it not to sprout. That, the thorns, as he says, are the ways of this world, where instead of worshiping the God of love and mercy, the Lord of hosts, we worship some other god that constricts us based on the world. Perhaps it's our own inhibitions where we look around and say, you know, someone else can take care of that problem. I've got enough on my plate right now. Or to say, you know, I know they're my friend and we've been friends for years, but this big fight, I'm not going to deal with it. We're just going to put it away and probably never get back to it. Or saying, you know, I don't need to read my scriptures because I've got an app for that. As long as I open my app and get my daily 
uh, daily streak, as it's called in the Version Bible app. As long as that number keeps going up, I'm saved, baby. I'm good to go. So those are all different areas of how God's word can come to us and how we can experience God's word. And I think that's important. The second part that may not be as important or may not, you may not seem as important initially is perhaps we are the sowers. We are the ones that have gone through these processes on our own. We've had soil that's been rocky and we've watched our faith be put to the fire. We've had ourselves, we had pieces of insight that we thought were important, but they get plucked up. But you know, we've got a good little garden bed going on. We've got our soil, it's growing. We feel like we're good disciples. So we wanna do what God does, right? We wanna share love and mercy and throw it as far as we can everywhere because that's what God first did for us. But there's a problem when we do that because we start feeling worried concerned, distraught, exhausted, as we start these forms of evangelism where we start to spread God far and wide, but we don't see anything come out of it. The reason we may not see anything come out of it, my friends, is that we're not called to see the plants grow. We're simply called to sow the seeds. I imagine in my own faith, in my own life, that the people who evangelized to me for years and years and years on end before I came to the faith probably thought I was that rocky soil, right? Because we like to imagine, we like to compartmentalize and make things easy. We like to say, hey, well, that's just a rocky soil person. They're going to stay that way forever. Or, hey, that's just, uh, you know, they're just going to have thorns in their lives. They're not going to get God the way that I do. So they're just not worth it. So let's just stop throwing seed. The soil that we live in is like any soil. It can be changed, it can be modified, it can be adapted. We can work at our faith, at our discipleship, at our ways that we communicate our love of God in this world and around us. But it's just like gardening, right? Just because I don't want, I believe that that bamboo on the corner of my yard isn't gonna grow anymore, doesn't mean it's magically gonna stop growing. It's going to keep moving. It's going to keep coming forward. I'm going to have to keep messing with it each and every week. Maybe I want that squash plant in the backyard to immediately grow and give me some produce so I don't have to go to the store for a couple days, but that's not how it works. You've got to take the weeds out. You've got to water it. You've got to keep nurturing it and growing it. And friends, our discipleship journey is no different. To be a disciple, just and there's, there's no coincidence that last week we were talking about yokes, agricultural equipment that we come together and say, God, I can't do this on my own. This is difficult. This is a hard time. Please show me the way of discipleship. And the amazing thing about that is that every situation is different, isn't it? There's no tried and true magical way of becoming a greater disciple because of the personal level that we have with our Lord and with our God. All of our discipleship is different. Where some of us see rocky soil, some of us will see soil that is very fertile and ready to go. Where some of us see thorny soil, we might see a road, for example, that maybe we just need to change how we, how we speak the gospel, we need to change how we act through the gospel, and soils can be changed that way with nurture, love, and work. So my holy friends, this is boiled down essentially to our message today. As Jesus is telling us the scripture about the bounty of love and mercy that he gives to us, the bounty that we may share with the world because it was first given to us, there are two things to keep in mind. The first one is that as gardens, and I love that example of gardens because it takes me back to the book of Galatians with Paul, right? 
where Galatians, in Galatians, I believe it is the end of Galatians, he says, you know, do not be fooled. You do reap what you sow. Again, a farming analogy. Our gardens of our spirits are delicate yet powerful things. It's important to keep an eye on them, not simply go through the day and do whatever and say, you know, I'm just going to read my Bible when I go to bed. Terrible idea. You're going to fall asleep while you're reading the scripture you really wanted to read for the day. Take time for your garden of your spirit. Take time to work and cultivate with prayer, with fellowship, with scripture, with acting out that faith. But on that same coin, don't be discouraged. Don't get worried if you start doing everything and wondering why life isn't getting any, hard, any easier. Worrying why this friend that you've been praying for for days or months or years isn't hearing the freedom that we hear. Don't be discouraged because we're not here to win the battles. The war has already been won and that's been won on the cross at Calvary. We're called to continue fighting, continue seeking, and continue growing God's kingdom the very best that we can but to remember to do it from the heart and through our own spirits that God has given us freely. Amen? Praise be to God and the highest, my holy friend.